I'm Aria Schwartz with my co-host, Pat Ralph, and welcome to the Windsider Show, where it's all about the W. This episode, we're talking opening weekend. Opening week, opening night, saw two last-second games. Opening weekend got me hyped, and I know the fans are also. Tons of exciting basketball going on. The WNBA is in full swing. If you like our show, please consider joining our Patreon community. For less than a cup of coffee a month, you can directly show support for the hard work we do covering the WNBA. Pat Ralph, welcome back. It's been a little bit, but I know you've been paying attention to the W. Um, say hi to the folks, and let's hop in. Hey, gang, it's good to be back. It's been too long, and uh, happy to be potting with you once again, Ari. Happy to be here. Back at it again. Uh, Tierra McCowan uh, just I, – I, I don't know what you call it when you when your first professional game, you hit the game winner. Um, a lot to talk about in regards to opening weekend and the things that, that transgressed. For me, the most impressive thing about that Indiana Fever game was composure late in the game. Obviously, it was – uh, a battle of the two worst teams from last year. But in that same regard, it was an exciting game. There's there's a lot of motion, a lot of good play. Tina Charles just went Super Saiyan mode. Um, but the thing that I liked the most was to get Tierra the, the ball for the last second shot to win the game. You saw a deep, deep play in the paint where a vet passes the ball off to her to make that shot. That says a lot about the team and uh, and the confidence that they have in this young player. To me, that's a good sign. Pat, I know you've been working on an article, and I'll tease the folks. I'll let them know. You've been working on an article because you and I have been discussing this a little bit. I don't see the Indiana Fever being the worst team in the league uh, at the end of this season. You want to talk about that real briefly, and then we'll move on to some of the other games. Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned the Fever, which is really interesting about that game on Friday, and it, was, it actually reminded me of fans remember and other media members remember Last year, the Liberty and the Fever had a, a very similar game and in Westchester. Um, it was about midway through the season or so, and um, the Liberty ended up coming away with it in a close finish. Um, they won. It was like this, neck and neck the whole way, right down to the wire, and stuff, the Liberty ended up pulling it out. This time it was Indiana. And like you said, I was really impressed with, like, Tierra McGowan comes in, obviously was off the bench, plays 14 minutes, but gives them a really nice game off the bench, 11 points, six rebounds, um, five that came on the offensive glass and stuff, which is really impressive and stuff. Um, I think what you see is, like you said, like Indiana, you know, I don't think anyone's expecting them to contend yet. I mean, I don't think anyone's expecting them to even get in the playoffs. I think they're going to be in that four that are not going to be in the playoffs um, at the end of the season. But the thing with Indiana is you want to see those steps. And you brought up a really good point, Ari, is that one of those steps is being able to close out in a game on the road um, when you've had the lead. Um, and when you've, you know, and you, you have to come from behind and be able to, you know, as I said, the Liberty or not, I don't think anyone's expect them as well to be a good team this year, but that's still, that is still a, a, a loud arena. It's a tight arena. Um, and the fact that the fans get really into it, so you need to be able to pull out games on the road. And that says a lot about a young team that to be able to take the next step, to be able to do that, you've got to be able to win games like that 
So I was really impressed by that, especially the fact that it symbolized with the rookie. First game in the WNBA, scores the game-winning basket. It says a lot and stuff, I think. So I think for Indiana, like – and then, yeah, of course, like last night – Connecticut serves them well. You know, Connecticut's a really good team, really in two different places, those two teams right now. But I think Indiana, that first game was a really good first step for them. It's like, hey, we know as a young team we can go and win on the road, and that's really important. Oh, it's definitely important. And also, you know, there's there's a lot to be done. I will say, though, shout out to New York fans who I'm sure knowing knowing their style of fandom are not happy uh, to see the the comparison between their first round pick and Indiana's first round pick. I do want to give a shout out to Erica Wheeler, who has been balling out of her mind right now, two games in she's averaging 21, averaging 21 points a game. Um, But she has just been a spark plug. And I'm happy that in our uh, WNBA insider or winsider fantasy league to say that I do have her playing for me. So, you know, watch out, watch out. Speaking of another young player who is just going off the rails so far this season, obviously it's one game in, but Nafisa, for the Minnesota Lynx, Nafisa Collier drops 27 points in her WNBA debut. I believe that was like the second most, only second to to Candace Parker. So you know if you're if you're going to be in that in the same uh, the same speech or the same sentence as Candace Parker in regards to uh, your first WNBA game, I'd say that's a good thing. Um, we're seeing a lot of stuff from her. We're we're we've been hearing a lot, you know. Oh, she doesn't have an outside game. She was balling from outside that, that night. Yeah. Um, oh, we're hearing she's moving from the four to the three, and it's gonna it's gonna affect her. It's gonna affect her. Blah blah blah. Well, it did not affect her in game one. And I think the most important thing is going to be for fans to understand that yes, she is a top talent. Yes, she is coming from from UConn, so there are high expectations. But this is still a rookie season. Um, we're recording this with the links set to tip off 20 minutes from now against the Seattle Storm, which is a whole nother story. Um, do I expect her to continue this streak of just going out of her mind on the court? No. I think it's a rookie season. There's going to be some setbacks. Uh, but that's a good start. That's the start that you want. What are you thinking about the links right now? Well, the thing that's interesting is that kind of what I thought about is, and I'm sure there were some other sentimental Lynx fans thinking the same as they were watching this performance on Saturday is it's kind of ironic that you mentioned this a little before with Nafisa is that, you know, she came from UConn, a forward out of UConn uh, playing for the Lynx. Uh, does that sound familiar? I feel like we may have gone down that track before, uh, Arya. I mean, I think, it, think it's gone well. I think it's gone well. Am I wrong? I might, I, I hope not. Um, but my point is, is that, it's one of these things kind of ironic that obviously we know with Maya not being with the team this year and the FISA comes in as their draft pick comes in, starts first game, 27 points on eight of 10 shooting. It's incredibly efficient. I mean, also to get eight of 11 from the free throw line as well. Being able to get to the free throw line as well is important. You mentioned the three points shooting three or four. Um, it's one game and we're all going to overreact, but it's one of those things. It's like, Oh, we've seen this before. A star UConn player comes in to Minnesota makes a big imprint right away. Um, I think that's really, you know, it's really interesting. But I think you look at Minnesota and we've talked, and I think coming into this year, I felt that I feel that if they're really going to contend and they're going to be able to do something, it starts and end with Sylvia Fowles. Um, she had a double, double 16 and 10, but the key was going to be, she's going to need other people around her to step up. There's no Maya Moore. There's no Lindsey Whalen anymore. Simone Augustus, even though I know you're not going to like this, is not the same player she was several years ago. 
but they've got to find other parts who can step up and contribute. And Nafisa, it's one game again, but it's a sign that she could be that consistent, you know, score they could have outside of Sylvia Fowles um, to help out and stuff. So I think for Minnesota, it's a really good sign. It's again, it's one game. You're playing against a Chicago team that playing its first game with their own head coach. Um, of course, James Wade, who was with the Lynx. But I think if you're Minnesota, it's a positive sign that say, hey, if these young kids can grow up a little bit and contribute, you know, right away. I mean, not only can Minnesota get in, maybe they can make some noise. And you know, Sylvia is going to be Sylvia, and she still, when she's on, can be the best big lady in the league. I think I saw somewhere that said uh, Sil put on 15 pounds of muscle for this game for this season. Wow! Just anticipating. Uh, the type of pressure that's going to be on her. I completely agree with everything you're saying. Uh, I'll just back it up. Other players need to score. When you have your starting five uh, all in double digits outside of Dantas, who I think will set up up, but then you got someone coming off the bench and you got you got points coming from the bench. That's going to be the key. Can we get consistent points from other players on this roster? Simone's going to put up points. You know, Odyssey Sims is going to put up points. Sylvia is going to put up points. Can these other players get enough points to get this team to the next level? Let's move on to another team. Uh, Connecticut Sun rolling at 2-0 right now. Jonquel Jones looking midseason form. Just I, I, The only thing I want to say about this team, because I don't think there's much more to say, is just smooth. This team is midseason form. This team is moving fast. Jonquel Jones is, is slicker than hot butter. <laughs> I love the analogy. That's great. I mean – We've talked about this a lot. I mean, last year we've we've I, I, the Sun are one of the teams we talk about all the time, and they're one of the teams that just generates a lot of attention, given that they're really good. I mean, they're two and zero. I mean, it's early. I know it's early. It's one weekend, but I think most people would have to agree that they look so far like the most impressive team. Now, I'm going to take a little bit of wind out of their sails. I'm going to be you know negative Nancy here. Somebody's got to be the party pooper. All right, so Someone's gotta do it. so number one, the Mystics were without their best player. Her name is Elena Deladon, who may be the best player in the league didn't even play in the game. So let's remember that. Let's just take that. Um, not trying to, again, not saying that they wouldn't have won. Can I, I'm just saying that like, let's remember that. Number two, my feeling with Connecticut is I'm getting to this point now with, um, with the sun is that this is great. They can win the games they want in the regular season. They can do this work. Let's see what happens when we get to the playoffs. I know, like, look what's happened the last two years. Look, they've had these great regular seasons. We fall in love with them. We're enamored with them by the time they come to the playoffs, and then, bang, they're eliminated on their home floor. Now, maybe that's because they've played the Mercury both times. However, I think another thing we've talked about a lot with them as well is that we knew that there was something – somebody somebody was going to be odd person out between Jonquil Jones, Chenea Gumake, and Alyssa Thomas. Uh, yeah, yes, yeah, so let's So, I mean, you you knew someone was going to be the odd person out, and last year, at first, it looked like it was going to be John Cole Jones, and it seemed that way. And then, you know, as we saw, obviously, we talked about this. Said something's going to have to give. Somebody's going to have to go because it's just not fitting. It doesn't work because they just can't have them all on the floor at the same time. And obviously, they traded Cheney. That's a whole another story. But you're seeing now, John Qual gets those minutes back that she had in 2017 when she was the most improved player in the league. She was arguably the best player in the league outside of Sylvia that year. I think most people would say. Um, and look what she, you know, she's she's showing she she's a rebound. She's arguably the best rebounder in the league. She can score. She can shoot the three. Um, I, I, there's a reason why a lot of people have picked her to be the MVP this year. And you're seeing that. You know, this can the Connecticut team to close, and we'll throw us back to you on this is that you said like they're smooth. 
they're complete. You know, they're a complete team. They defend the ball well. They shoot well. They get out and run. They're just a very good fundamental team. They don't turn over the ball. They're just a really smart team that it, it just plays the game very well and stuff. And that's why I think they're going to do very well this year, like they have the last two seasons. Yeah, I got to agree with you. And and everything you're saying is, is spot on. Um, the one the one spicy take that I'll add to this is, uh, and if you don't get why I'm saying it, then I can't help you. But Connecticut won that trade for the sole purpose of that team is better after the trade. And I think they are better – uh, they got better at during that trade than LA did. LA was already up there. Yeah, that, that's just icing on the cake. For Connecticut, it was making a necessary move that now puts your best player on the roster before and after the trade at center stage and doesn't have to doubt anymore. And now this team is solely focused and built around her. Um, let's move on. Phoenix Mercury, they come out strong, and a lot of people, myself included, have pegged them as the favorites to win the WNBA finals 2019 now obviously this Cambage thing throws a little clog in that wrench we'll get to that later um seattle beats the mercury and they did it without their two best players well i know some people would argue that and say you know tasha howard's the best player but still missing stewie and sue bird this team pulls out a victory now like i said earlier in this episode we're a few minutes away from tip-off between storm taking on minnesota Obviously, things are going to change. The season's going to go on. I think we would be crazy to think that Seattle is going to keep up this level of play and continue to be uh, the defending champions in, in that same regard of like that team to beat to prove you've made it. What's your thoughts? Is it time to panic for the Mercury? Is it time to celebrate for a repeat championship for Seattle, Pat? No and no. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) just shoot me down yeah I just got it but no I mean you bring up a point and like here's the thing again with Phoenix uh, you know we're obviously not going to see a Phoenix team that we're quite used to seeing because we're not going to have Diana Taurasi on the floor for much if not maybe all of the season Seattle the same thing no Brianna Stewart all season and it really feels like we might not get Sue Bird all year as well so it is going to feel a little different but I think for Phoenix, I think what we're seeing is here is that you you still have win healthy Brittany Griner. Brittany Griner is going to have to stay healthy all season. I know she's you know she's gotten banged up a bit these last couple of seasons. She's going to have to stay healthy this whole season for Phoenix because they're one less star player down. And I think that we saw this in that game on um, on on Saturday is that. Dewana Bonner is going to be so essential for Phoenix. I mean, we've already hit on this. I've been on the Bonner train. Everybody knows that who's listening to me or read oh, my Lord. stuff. Like Bonner is like she like you saw, she took 23 shots. She scored 31 points on 10 of 23 shooting. Not the most efficient performance, but also not bad. You know what I mean? That's a pretty good, you know, she's gonna have to be that go-to score outside of Griner. And so, and uh, obviously what she does defensively, like she guards the other team's best player oftentimes. So she, what she is almost, she is so essential to what Phoenix is going to do um, that, I, I mean, it's going to st- you're going to see her really um, become essential, but I mean, and then you flip it to Seattle and stuff. I mean, you, you know, almost like you, it's almost like the Spider-Man meme where you're pointing at each other, throw it to Natasha Howard. I mean, look what she can do. I mean, we all talked about last year. It's like, oh, she was a perfect fit on a championship team. Um, 
you know, she's gonna she's alongside Stewie and Sue Bird who can get her the ball. She's a nice third, fourth option on offense behind them and Joel Lloyd. Well, you see, she goes 21 points, 16 rebounds, you know, plays a really nice game. She can defend. I think we're gonna see Natasha Howard really, it's gonna fully blossom, and we're gonna see that, like, hey, maybe Seattle isn't quite the exact favorites. Um, like they were coming into the season what we thought until we saw what's happened with Stewie and with Sue Bird. But like Natasha Howard, she plays at this level. She's got to keep them in the mix in contention. And then you get Jordan Canada and Joel Lloyd stepping up. These are really throw them in the fire opportunities for them. I, I, if I'm Seattle, I'm, I'm excited. I mean, it's still excitement. There's no reason. I mean, they might not be like, the, as I said, the same team we thought they were going to be, but still it's exciting to see what could be possible with this young core they've got. Oh, I agree. It's, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be fun. There's obviously going to be hiccups. There's going to be, calling it now, there's going to be a lull. There's going to be like a, a losing streak that we was unfathomable last season. Um, but I, I do have some confidence for this team. I will say I have them as a bubble playoff team. Mark me now. Um, let's move on to a game that I think was was arguably, you know, after the injuries and all that jazz and with the trade rumors and then the trade happening – Probably the highlight of tip-off weekend for the 2019 WNBA season, Las Vegas Aces handled the LA Sparks. And I mean handled. Um, th- there, was, there was really not a moment uh, throughout that game that I really felt that that we were close or that this was going to be something that, that was really going to continue to be that nail-biter that a lot of us wanted to see. A final of 13 points. At one point, it was a 20-point game. Um, just just crazy. The the one positive is, and I think it's funny, a lot of people always say this, and I'm and I'm scratching my head when I hear it, is talking about uh, LA being a big three-point shooting team. Um, they have not been a big three-point shooting team of recent, and that's been a big issue. You look at the three-point percentage, though, they are working a nice 38-5. And both those teams, I think, for this season, the question is going to be, how does their three ball impact their team? Can they continue to use it? Um, and all that jazz. So my question to you is, have you started to panic as an L.A. Sparks fan? <laughs> Me, L.A. Sparks fan? What? Well, you know, hey, put on your L.A. Sparks right. cap for a I'm, moment and tell me, I'm you know. putting on my Are you panicking? L.A. Sparks hat. And if I'm the L.A. Sparks fan, I'm reminding everyone that Candace Parker didn't even play. So let's just remember that. Um, but on the other side, that lady, her name is uh, what Liz Cambage, I think that's what her name is. She also didn't play, so that's the other concerning yeah. part. That's a little scary. Once she gets out there and gets going, you have that two-headed monster between her and Asia Wilson down low. Just oh, nightmares. Um, I think you make a, yeah, you bring a good point. Like the Sparks have never been a good three-point shooting team. Um, that that's been their one of their biggest struggles. It was one of their biggest weaknesses last year. Part of the reason why they struggle and were so inconsistent up and down. I think the one positive I took away from the Sparks is Vadiva. I mean, Maria Vadiva, oh, yeah. 24 points, 11 of 20 shooting. Um, just really, I mean, a nice breakout game. I mean, again, no Cambage in there um, to, you know, who's going to defend the rim. No Parker to take away some of those touches. But still, that's a really, you know, positive sign to say, hey, okay, this is what we've got with her. This is a nice, you know, you know, sixth person off the bench, sixth woman off the bench that we've got. Um, you get your same, you know, your, your, your consistency level with NECA. 17 and 11, you know, she's just going to come consistently and stuff. You know, Chanae, you know, not her best. Ooh, that, that, not her best. Not her best. No, openings, uh, open no not her best first game. Um, but, you know, she's 
when you know, but she did, you know, she finished with six rebounds. I mean, her primary responsibility out there is going to be to rebound and defend. She's going to, she's going to be mm-hmm. further down the pecking order in terms of scoring, but still you need to see more from her. Um, if I'm the aces, I mean, the aces, I think they just have, don't you feel like this already? They just have this, this confidence and this swagger now. And it's a young, again, they kind of remind me a little bit, uh, you know, using an NBA analogy here for, you know, they remind me a little bit of like the Warriors were when they first burst on the scene where they were just young. They could just, you know, they got this swagger knowing like we have this bright future ahead of us. And if we keep this thing together and everything comes together, no one's going to stop us. This is what the aces remind me of where it's like, they know, like you remember last year, second half of the season, things started to click. I mean, they barely missed the playoffs. And if they, probably if another game goes their way rather than the other way, they're probably in the playoffs last year. And, you know, Dallas barely held on to that last spot. So the aces are, they seem to have this confidence. They seem to click. They seem to be playing really well. And then you just throw arguably the best big in the league in there in Liz Cambage when she's healthy. And I just, I, I think the aces just have this confidence and swagger right now that I think is going to exude throughout the season. I think they could, it's, it's one of these, this confidence that I think is going to lead to them just like absolutely tearing up the league. And like, I think they're going to, I'm not saying they're going to win the championship this year, but I think they're going to finish like first or second in terms of best record. They could just because of that, that that enthusiasm they play with. No, I I agree with you. I think there's, I still have a lot of questions. Um, A lot of those players at their vet, it's, it's one of those interesting teams where, you look at it and you're like, huh, has anybody here won a championship? Does anybody know yeah. what it takes to win in, in the pro yeah. league? And you start to question those things. Um, I'll flip it back, though, just to bring up one more stat. I know your your Pat's stats. Um, <laughs> L.A. and the Aces, um, one of the, the few teams to be not shooting a lot of threes last season, too. Mm-hmm. Um, L.A., I believe, was, was averaging somewhere – give or take a, a one or two three-pointers, was was averaging around 13 or 10 threes, if you will. Um, and then you had Minnesota and Vegas close close behind or close ahead of them. Looking at this game, you had 14 three-pointers taken, three taken by the Aces and 13 by L.A. I want to see that change. Like you spoke about, the, the big question marks with, with the Sparks are, is the three ball and re- rebounding. The big question mark with the Aces, in my opinion, because everything else, honestly, is, is kind of checked off, is the three ball. Can, you know, Bill is not, Bill has historically not been a coach who is an amazing, amazing transition and historically not amazing uh, as far as the deep ball. And I think that's something you need to change in the modern game. Uh, is if Are we going to get down to a situation where you're, you're trading points? I know this team's gotten much better on defense, but you're trading points and they're able to have three, and you're only getting two or one? I mean, come on. This, this is just simple math. you got to be going for the three-ball right. more. That, that's just where we're at these days, Right, and, and and that's the thing. Like, I mean, a, a Bill Lambeer coach ace team is not going to shoot a lot of threes. And, I mean, that's why them getting Cam Beige, and when she gets inserted into that lineup, which it sounds like we're going to get Friday night when they take when they take on Phoenix, which should be a very good game, should be a lot of fun. Uh, Brittany Griner's going to have her fans full. Um, I mean, you, you know, they're not going to shoot a lot of threes. I mean, he likes to pound the ball down low. They play physical defense. They're going to rebound well. They're going to slow the game down. They're not going to 
play, you know, this up-tempo, up-and-down style that Connecticut or Phoenix or Seattle like to play. You know, they're going to slow it down. So I think with I, – I think, yeah, I, I would like to see them shoot more threes too. We've been saying this. I've been saying this since Lambeer was coaching the Liberty, which feels like ages ago now. That was his biggest problem is they shot new threes. And then when they got into these playoff games where they had to, you know, make sh- – you know, you have to make shots, they couldn't do it. So um, I, I think – I, I think that's the thing with the Aces. I think you bring up a good point is that, like, when push comes to shove, like, is Kayla McBride or Kelsey Plum, like, are they going to make shots? Um, and and that remains to be seen. But, yeah, a Lambeer coach team is never going to do that. And I'm confident, I think, that Derek Fisher, who is obviously now manning the uh, sidelines for the Sparks, I think you're going to see him try to get them to shoot more threes and stuff. Because given his, you know, his background comes from – the men's game and the men's game kind of is, you know, how it kind of goes. The men's game kind of sets the tone and everything follows suit. You know, the men's game is totally about three pointers now. And that has now totally, for the most part, taken over the WNBA. I think he's going to bring that and you're going to start seeing that become more part of their repertoire. So we'll have to see. It's one game, but I think you're right on that point. We want to see both those teams, you know, become better three pointers if they really want to contend with, like you said, the Seattle's, the Phoenix's, Connecticut, so on and so forth. Oh, I agree. Um, let, let's move on to to one more matchup of opening weekend, uh, a game that's really been overlooked, if you ask me, and and showed a lot of promise for both teams. Atlanta Dream take on and defeat the Dallas Wings. Now, everyone, you know, I, I got a lot of flack for saying, for tweeting out right after that game finished, saying, you know, if you're a Dallas fan, are you really that upset? Obviously, you're not happy you lose. But losing by four against the number two seeded team going into the playoffs last year, a team that is like amazing at defense last year, struggled to get points off the board. All right. I get that. I get that. But what you saw very quickly coming from Dallas is what Agler has been able to implement to this team. That is the prototype of, of the physical specimen that you need. You have the length, the speed, the youth, the ability to like half the players on this roster can play the whole roster. It's insane. And for me to see this team come out, a team that had no discipline past years on defense, and possibly, and I think many would agree with me on this, that that's one of the reasons this team did not excel to the height that they could, has been defense and lack of discipline. This team showed discipline, was much better on the defensive end. Obviously, you know, was still struggling 8 for 24 on the three-pointers, but I like that they're getting them out there. Um, You flip it on the other side, we'll get to Atlanta later, but... Talk to me, Pat. Your first game, you're missing the two biggest and best players from your roster last year, and the team pulls off a four-point loss. Obviously, there's no moral victories, but I got to say you're not, you know, calling it quits on the season after game one if you're if you're Dallas Wings or their fans. No, no. And, I mean, this is a Brian Agler, you know, a special. I mean, he is going to, above, above everything else, is going to have a really well-coached defensive team. I mean, that's what he had for all those years in Los Angeles we saw. Great. I mean, at the end of the day, the Sparks were a really good defensive team. And that's what you're going to see Dallas become. I mean, that's been Dallas's biggest problem for the last couple of years. They don't play any defense. And they're sloppy with the ball. They have a lot of turnovers. They play way too fast to even you know do anything that make coherent. Um, with Agler now there, you're going to see them play better defensively. And you're going to see them play cleaner. Like, you, and you mentioned this before. They played really well defensively. Now, 
if you want to be devil's advocate here, and we can get to Atlanta in a few minutes, Atlanta is not the best offensive team in the league. They struggle offensively. I mean, Atlanta, like you had mentioned, is a really – their calling card is defense. Their bread and butter is defense like it was last year. You know, Dallas – but it, it's still a step in the right direction. It's one game, and, you know, as I said, there's no reason to call quits on yet. I don't think anyone – again, like we said before, Dallas is not a team that we're expecting to um, contend. And if they do, I think they're going to be probably be on the outside looking in once the, the you know the season comes to a close and we you know have the playoffs format. But I think that this game is a step in the it's a step in the right direction, knowing that this is what you're going to get with an Agler coach team. Good defensively, um, I'm encouraged the fact that they're shooting more threes because you know Agler. We talked about this with the Sparks; they haven't shot, they didn't shoot a lot of threes in the past couple of years. More threes we saw shot with Dallas, and I think that's just the one thing I think Wings fans. I would say get excited for is that you're going to get a team that is going to play well defensively and they're going to play more grinded out games rather than just trying to run it up and down and stuff. And I think that it's exciting to have a team that can win, not just because, oh, they score a lot of points and they have a great offensive game from Skyler or Liz Cambage. It's going to be because they play great defensively. And I think that's what you're going to see now with Aguilar at the helm. Oh, I got to agree. And then let's flip it over to, to Atlanta. There are some concerning things there. I'm not going to lie. I know it's game one. Everyone's going to say, calm down. Again, the amount of three-pointers is what I'm looking at. I Honestly, I don't even care if if you're dropping below 20% on the three ball. If you're putting up, you know, 15 minimum for me, that is a 15 minimum rule in this coming season. If you're not putting up 15, I don't like your chances and I don't like what you're doing. Um, Atlanta Dream, four for 14. And for me, we've talked about this a lot. This team is going to need the three ball to succeed. You are a great defensive team, but you're going to need to create a little bit of momentum. All right. You're going to need Alex Bentley to get that shot up in it. All right. You're going to need Renee Montgomery to be that shooter that we all know she is. And we saw it from her. All right. 15 points, three for four from three ball, five for seven field goal. You know, 50% on the free throw line will get a little bit better. But for me, it's what will we see from the shooters, all right? We know this team is going to be a a fundamental, solid defensive team. What are we going to see on the offensive end? Can they turn some heads? Because that's the next step. If you want to be a championship contender, and I know a lot of people argue they are already, but for me, if you want to be a championship contender, you got to be able to drop, you know, a lot of points. A lot of what we saw in Atlanta late in the season last year, they started to pick it up and get more and more points. And I want to say the last five or six games, I want to see that early in the season. Kind of similar to Connecticut Sun a few years back. Early in the season, what I wanted to see for growth of this team is is big wins and streaky wins early in the season. But nowadays, like you said, Pat, it's about what you can do in the playoffs. Atlanta, still a few years behind that, in my opinion. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, you hit the nail on the head perfectly. It's like my thing with Atlanta is I think, yeah, they're arguably the best defensive team in the league. I mean, if I had to pick one defense, I might pick theirs. But the problem is, is that they just don't – and we saw this last year in the playoffs. This is why I did, did not pick them to beat the Mystics um, when they met in the in the, the pseudo-Eastern Conference Finals. Um, and the, the um, and, and I just didn't think they were going to win last year even get to the finals no matter who they played in the, in, the, um, in the semifinals was because they just don't have enough weapons on offense. And obviously a lot of that's going to have to depend on until when Angel McCautry is back. I mean she is their best scorer. I mean, her obviously we're big, like we're very big proponents of like think of how, how high we are on Tiffany Hayes. I mean, she is a playmaker, she's a baller, 
Um, not a great first game, but you know she's going to come through. She's an all, a perennial all-star. She's all-star caliber player. Um, you know, Jessica Breeland is just, you know, she's got like, you know, again, like Neko Gumake, I said earlier, extremely high floor. You know you're going to get something great from her every game. She plays really well. Um, and it's like you said, great fundamentals. Atlanta has a really high floor and they, they're, they don't, you know, they're, they're like Connecticut in the fact they don't make a lot of mistakes. You know, they're extremely well coached. Nikki Collin is an incredible coach, but the offense is the question if they're, and if they're not going to, if they're going to play slow and and they don't have enough offensive weapons, they're not going to win because teams like Phoenix and if, especially if Tarazi can get healthy and teams like Seattle, if Sue Bird can get healthy and LA and, um, who am I missing? Connecticut have more offensive weapons. Even the Mystics have more offensive weapons. And I'm a believer that like, you need that go-to score. And if, and if McCautry can get healthy and get back, then I think that changes things a bit. And it's going to depend on her. But still, I agree with you. And that Atlanta's big thing is like, I, I want to believe it. Like, let's see what they can do in the season. Because if they're just still a middle to bottom of the pack offensive team, uh, I, I'm not going to be feeling them as a team that can actually – uh, you know, actually win it all and stuff. And that's uh, that's why I want to wait and see and stuff because they do have these games like we had, you know, on, on Friday night where they kind of play with fire a bit because they can't get enough offensively. So um, it, it will be very interesting to see with the Dream. But but they're extremely well coached and they're a fun team to watch because they've got a lot of nice skill players who can make shots. The question is, can they do it over a consistent basis? No, I completely agree. I mean, the one, the one thing that I – it's always – it's always made me think a little bit, and it confuses me when people talk about, and I agree, when McCautry comes back, that adds a new element to this team. But when I view McCautry, I don't view her as this this great pull-up shooter. I know she has that ability. I have always been amazed with her grit in the paint, in the down and dirty, her ability to get her shot up when there's taller players around her, the, the ability to penetrate deep and get some good baskets from, from inside. Now, I think that will have resonating effects to the three ball. But to me, getting McCautry back does not solve the problem. We did not see this team, you know, make crazy movements to try and solve the three-point issue. So either they know something we don't know, or they don't think that it's as big an issue as we all think it is. We'll see. Only time will tell. Um, We at Winsider believe in the players and the community deserve the same in-depth analysis and respect that men's sports receive on a daily basis. Please consider joining our Patreon community to help support us and the hard work we do. W Insider or WNBA Insider at Patreon.com.